Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Fitz, Fitz Kohler, M-S-E-S-S. What does that stand for? I'm like reading this and I'm like, I, I was reading it earlier and I'm like, that's a, that's a lot of letters. <laughs> uh, Master of Science in Exercise and Sports Sciences. Gotcha. Great. Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> My pleasure. Because I'm like, that's a lot of letters and I don't know what any of them mean. <laughs> uh, so Fitz is one of the most prominent and compelling fitness experts and race announcers in America. As the voice of the Los Angeles Marathon, Philadelphia Marathon, Big Sur Marathon, DC Wonder Woman run series and more. She brings big structure, energy, and joy to the sport. She's passionate about guiding others to live better and longer through her company, Fitness. She's appeared on national media outlets and worked with corporations like Disney, Tropicana, Oakley, and Office Depot. Fitz has also inspired millions of kids to get active through her successful school running slash walking program, the Morning Mile. Her second book, My Noisy Cancer Comeback, was released in October of 2020 and has been welcomed with fantastic sales and reviews. Fitz enjoys water sports, strength training, animals, hugs, sarcasm, and travel. She lives in Gainesville, Florida with her husband and two kids. Well, Fitz, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. So, we talked a lot about fitness in your bio, but we're not going to talk about that as much in this conversation because I want you to share with us about the cancer. And with, with the book, we can obviously see that it came back. Um, but where were you the first time you found out? What were your reactions um, cause that's pretty scary and we haven't, we don't talk about it enough and it happens more often than we realize. Yeah. You know, and I actually wrote the book because cancer specifically breast cancer is wildly common. One in eight women will get it and, uh, disturbing. Not only is it very common, but you're right. Nobody's talking about it. Once I published my book, I went and read a bunch of other memoirs famous women, Good Morning America host, blah, 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 really nice ladies, but they, they completely brushed over all the gory details, gave zero insight on what it's like to actually be a cancer patient. And so that was important to me to share the, share the juicy gory details, but also I, it became so insane, my situation that I thought it was funny. And that's where the sarcasm falls in. And if you go looking for cancer books and what I find is when people are diagnosed, they instantly go looking for two things. Number one, information. Number two, hope. If you go to Amazon and start looking for books on cancer, they are all so dark and dreary and scary. And who the hell wants to read that when you've just been diagnosed with a potentially lethal disease? So mine is a fun, uplifting, can-do spirit book that has officially been guiding patients to do better and be better during treatment. They're 
they're thriving while surviving. And, you know, it's just attitude isn't everything, but man, it covers a lot of territory. So I was diagnosed, I was actually at a race weekend. So I announced races. I also run them. I was at a weekend where I was running a race and I was in the shower, came out and I rubbed my under boob and you know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) I just had an itch and I found it. It felt like there was a bean in my breast and I in, I knew it right away. There was no hesitation. There was no, oh, this might be a calcification or whatever. I decided that ah, I got breast cancer. So within 30 seconds, I picked up my phone. I had the cell phone in the bathroom, standing there naked. I called the gyno's office, said I found a lump. And that was a Thursday morning. They got me in Monday. And I was scared, but I didn't tell anyone. I have a real strong policy of not crying over milk that has not spilled yet. So I didn't want to freak anyone else out. I figured, let me get some information before I uh, sound the alarm. And so Monday was the gyno. Thursday, I went in for a mammogram and ultrasound. Now, mind you, I have had mammograms every year since I was in my 20s. I found a lump when my daughter was born. So since then, insurance covers them for free. So I go every year to get a mammogram. And I had just had one six weeks prior to finding my lump and it was clean. It wasn't a missed tumor. It was completely clean. So within six weeks, I found this lump. I go in on Thursday, I have the mammogram, then the ultrasound, and I could see the tumor on the screen as the ultrasound tech was going over it. I thought, well, maybe it's something else, right? right? But the radiologist came in, she goes, yeah, you know, this tumor's disconcerning but what I'm really worried about is uh, the fact that you have three hard swollen lymph nodes and I and that's where the waterworks started and that's where I thought oh god I'm definitely dying and it was it was fairly ignorant of me to think that but you know I I felt that I'm I have a perfect family I have this perfect career I'm a beacon of health and happiness health is what I do I thought that I would also make the perfect tragic tale and uh yeah it was hard it was it was devastating. You know, I was terrified. Number one, that I wouldn't be around to see my children grow up. I have two great Mm. kids who are just everything. And then I, and it was kids first. And then I was sad about dying. And then third, I had this long, fabulous hair that was soon to disappear. And the whole thing was very stressful. Uh, But I had a punch biopsy the next day. And by that Tuesday, I was told, yeah, you have breast cancer. And I think I started chemo a week and a half later. So they were concerned at the rapid pace, which my cancer had been progressing. And uh, I was very fortunate. I've got thrown into treatment. I had 15 months of chemo. That's 21 rounds. I had 33 rounds of radiation. I had a lumpectomy and several lymph nodes taken. And it was a long haul. But the best thing I did right up front is I made some decisions for myself. I made um, the first decision not to have a pity party. I did mm. cry out of stress quite frequently, but uh, I decided I'm not a kid with cancer. I'm not a baby. I, it's not also one of the more typically lethal types of cancer. So there will be no pity parties. I never had a why me moment. I was going to maintain perspective and realize that could always be worse. And whatever I went through, I was just going to keep going. Uh, I chose to pursue my passions. I love my career, obsessed with my kids. And so From the get-go, I decided I was not giving up any of my races that I announced or speaking engagements, no matter what, nor was I 
missing special time with my kids and I didn't. And uh, last but not least, I chose to be positive. And, and it was that choice that really allowed me to have more adventures as a very sick, sick cancer patient over 15 months than most people have, most healthy people have in a lifetime. So um, decisions, decisions were made. And, and, and the spoiler alert is that I survived. Yeah, there's actually articles that show that if you keep a positive outlook, you're more likely to survive cancer than uh, those who become very pessimistic. Uh, they've well, done psychological <laughs> research on that. Absolutely. And, and you just look at quality of life on anyone. And it's interesting to me on social media, how many people wake up and they instantly get online and say, pray for me. I sprained my ankle or pray for me. It's going to be a hard day. Really? You're eating up your prayers on a sprained ankle. Get a grip, wake up, dust yourself off, get yourself showered, put a smile on your face and make the best of it. I think, you know, being positive is habitual in whatever situation you're in. And yeah, and, and I don't hold myself up, up on a unrealistic platform, but if I could put on a smile, well, sick as a dog trudging through the airport, well, shoot, you could probably put on a smile and make the best of your day too. Definitely a choice and it definitely matters. Yeah. My grandmother is a breast cancer survivor. And, and my doctor actually said that I'm, I'm 35. That would be, we would be starting mammograms soon because my, it would be sooner if my grandmother hadn't been much older when she got breast right. cancer. Um, but we're going to be starting that soon just because there is, you know, obviously in the family. Uh, but she said that one of the, hers was pretty progressive she had to have a mastectomy. Yeah, words are not my friend. Um, they had to remove the whole breast. And she said the one thing that got her through and she was in her 60s was thinking about my daughter's graduation and how she wanted to live to at least see my daughter graduate. And the unfortunate thing because of COVID and because of other health issues she's had since then, uh, she only got to see it virtually and not in person. Wow. Yeah. Um, it was pretty sad. They limited you, limited us to how many people could come to our graduation because of COVID. And also um, it was in bleachers. They did have some handicapped seating towards the, the bottom, like on the field, it was all outside. But the, the problem was, is my grandmother has some really poor health issues right now, uh, not related to cancer. And so she wouldn't be able to, you know, actually stay in a car for hours just to get to the graduation. Uh, she wouldn't be able to come stay in my house because all the, the um, rooms are upstairs and she can't climb stairs. A whole bunch of health issues unrelated well, to breast I, cancer. I tell, you, I tell you what, she probably isn't agonizing of any of those details. She probably just thinks I got to watch my granddaughter yeah. graduate virtually and, and, you know, her positive attitude probably continued and she beamed with pride on that day. You know, you, the glass is not half empty. It's yeah. just not, not for her, not for me. And if you choose it, it doesn't have to be for you. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have family members who thought it was a big deal. <laughs> Too bad for them. Yeah. But I mean, she did get to see it, it just virtually. She wasn't able to be yeah. in person, but that was the thing that got her through is like, I'm going to live to see Carmel graduate high school. That was the thing she held on to through all the treatments, all the chemo, 
all the radiation, the mastectomy, all of it. She was like, if removing my breast is going to get me to my granddaughter's graduation, I don't care. Take both of them. I just don't care. Cause like back to that, the whole point of the rant was back to the positive thinking, right? That one positive thing she held on to, even when she was really struggling um, because of her age, um, because of all the things she had going on. She has other health issues, but she was able to hold on. She made it through it. Knock on wood, hasn't made a comeback. Um, she's, she's in her seventies now. now. Just, so, <laughs> just, just to be clear, I did not have a reoccurrence. My comeback was from sick person to healthy person. It was gotcha. Yeah. There's no, there's no reoccurrence and I expect there will not be a recurrence. My comeback was a comeback from gray, sick, bald cancer patient and, uh, the adventures I had along the way. Gotcha. See, I misunderstood that. I thought it had come back. (laughs) No, it was my comeback, not it's comeback. Well, that's great. So I mean, that's amazing. And not like we talked about, not a lot of people do come back and recover. Um, so I would love for you to share, what did that recovery look like? You said you were super sick, but you were still able to get through and do the things that you're passionate about, spend time with your family, do the races. Um, so how did that comeback happen? So I'll start with, uh, the fact that some people, they look at me now and they go, well, you couldn't have been that sick. Uh, I was violently ill. I was a girl who many days, if I could not, if my husband didn't bring me a drink, I wouldn't have had a drink. I had to go for IV fluids probably 75 different times just to keep me upright. And I had to do that as I traveled around the country, I would land in California, New York, wherever, and there would be a medical practitioner waiting there to give me IV fluids. So I was bottom of the barrel, sick, lost tons of weight. Uh, It was everything that could go wrong went wrong, which is really why my adventures stand out so much because I was able to figure it out. I mean, trudging through an airport uh, in that situation. And I, my, it was, my stomach was just a nightmare every day, every minute of every day. It was like living with a, a stomach bug or, or food poisoning. And if you can imagine trudging through airports in that situation and, and, and airport bathrooms, it was tricky and crazy. Uh, but the fact that I started off my journey very healthy, strong, and fit went a long way. My oncologist used to say, Fitz, listen, if you were not so healthy coming into this, you, and I was hospitalized once overnight. He said, you would have been hospitalized for a month. You would have had a feeding tube, your health strength, your commitment to your body before all this happened, truly benefited you. And really, you know, the reality is with some of these drugs, you know, you could have an allergic reaction. People die from those things. They die from sepsis. They die from infections they get in the hospital. So being a strong fit person to begin with, really changes the projection of your care and and allows you to avoid certain pitfalls. Uh, But once I got through the first five months, which was really the meanest part of my chemo treatment, I had 10 months more, which were still mean, but way less mean. Um, Then I started to creep back, back into health. And so I was knocked out of exercise for at least three months. 
but then I got it in the pool one day. It was in July and I just started kind of wiggling around. I didn't exercise. I didn't swim laps. I didn't run aqua jog. I just moved around. I stretched. And then from there, I started walking in the pool and waving my arms around a little more. And then eventually a week and a half down the road, I swam a couple laps. Uh, swimming is the most gentle thing you can do. So I chose the water as my safe place. And it really was, it was a great choice because I also didn't feel the consequences of heat. I'm in Florida and it was summer. And then uh, I started doing walking, you know, my walks were to the mailbox and then around the corner. And it's funny, I would walk down to the bottom of my hill, but at some point I couldn't get up. I live on this really steep hill. So I'd have to call home and say, okay, I'm down here. Can you come and pick me up? Uh, and, but I just continued on, you know, I never had a pity party that, oh, I can only do this. I was thinking, wow, I can walk around the block where two months ago I could not. And it was constant, gentle progress. I made sure that I was not going to do any harm. Uh, once I started weightlifting, boy, was I noticeably weak. Boy, was I lifting way less than I used to. But there was, a, there was that pivot point in the gym where I could have been like other people and thought, oh, I'm weak. I shouldn't be here. I'm so embarrassed. Screw that. A, nobody know, knew what I used to lift and nobody knew what I was lifting now. B, it was none of their business. And C, I was in there making great progress for me. And, and it, really, that's with fitness. It, your journey is never to be compared with the person next to you or across the room. It's always about you pushing the envelope to do better and be better. And so my comeback was very, very gradual, very deliberate. But um, I, what I can tell you is that I finished the meanest chemo in July of 2020. I finished all chemo in May. No, no, no. I'm sorry. July of 2019 is where the, the harsh, vicious stuff um, left my system. In May of 2020, I finished chemo on, I think it was May 11th. Three weeks later, I did a triathlon. Now, mind you, it was a short triathlon and I was dead last finisher and I suffocated half the distance. However, I got out there. I did it. I was so proud of myself, so excited to be living life fully and athletically. And compared to what I was doing the year prior, even though I was suffocating, trying to ride my bike up a hill, hyperventilating, I could, all I could think of is, wow, this is so much easier than what I was going through last year. And so the good part about all this is I have made a complete physical comeback. I'm actually one month away from running the Boston Marathon. I will do that October 11th. Uh, but nothing in my life will ever be difficult compared to my cancer experience. Nothing. So now I am unleashed to climb mountains, to swim really far, to dance a whole lot. I will never have a moment of being embarrassed again. I stood on dozens of stages bald, not only bald, but without eyelashes, with gray skin. I stood on those stages and I chose to be Fitz Kohler and I chose to be noisy and I chose to be fun and I chose to do my profession to my best and I never missed a beat. And uh, because of that, when I got done with cancer treatment, not only was I alive, not only was I on the way back to being super healthy again and committed to a life of adventure, but even now my business is bigger and better than it was before cancer because I made so many good choices. So, you know, we, we really have a lot of control. And uh, you mentioned before, a lot of people do not survive cancer of all sorts. And that's true. 
thanks to science and early detection, whether it's through scans or self-exams, more people survive cancer than don't. And uh, we, we do have a lot of choices. We choose our medical staff. We can choose to accept or reject their treatment options. And last but not least, even if I were to have lost my battle with cancer, I know that I would have made my last days the way I wanted them. I would have had the people I wanted. I would have had the music I wanted. I probably would have planned out a really fun funeral in advance to make sure people celebrated as I would hope they would. So um, we all have choices. And, and, and fortunately, most folks aren't dealing with cancer. So if you're out there listening to me thinking, holy hell, she had a good attitude. You're right, I did. But you get the choice to have a good attitude about your work situation or your family situation or your your location situation. If you don't like something, change it. Do better and you'll have uh, the success you want too. Yeah, I keep having to mute myself because unfortunately today my landlord decided to send somebody over to work on the um, the drainage system on the roof. <laughs> okay. And so I'm just like, if anybody hears noises, it is my fault. I'm like worst day ever. I'm not worst day ever, but worst day to pick to have somebody come work on the roof because he's literally working outside my window. I haven't heard anything. Oh, good. Because I keep muting myself so yeah. that you can't hear it or other people listening can't hear it. Um, so a few quick things that you, you mentioned are, well, one thing I want to add is what most people don't realize is when you do chemo, it is not just killing the bad cells. It kills the good cells too. And that's why yeah. it takes so much away from you and drains yeah. you so much and makes you so sick as, and, and hopefully, hopefully science will hit like a, you know, just breakthrough and we will have a whole new treatment where it won't do so much damage. Also, uh, when you were talking about fun party, I have told my family, I want a celebration of life when I go. I do not want them all sitting around like, oh, woe is us. I want them to like tell stories and to celebrate, you know, the time they had with me. Good stories, bad stories, whatever stories. I want somebody to rent out a room in a restaurant, have good food, good drinks, enjoy each other's company. And just, you know, like, I don't, I don't want people. So I, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. Like, really controlling, you know, what's going on with you. And, and like you said, if it did come to that, you'd be controlling how you went out. It wouldn't right. be this like, oh my gosh, I, I don't even know how to handle this. And just kind of like going into your shell and not having that time with those you love because like you can't get out of your head. Yeah. You know what? There are, there are victors in this world and there are victims. I will not be a victim period. It's just not, not who I am. It's not what I choose. I don't, I don't wear pink ribbons. I don't wear pink ribbons and that I'm not rejecting the cause. I actually am chair of the local making strides for breast cancer walk with the American cancer society, but I will not bless my body with the word cancer. I, I, you know, some people like to wear their cancer warrior shirts and yeah, good for them. If that makes them feel stronger, what good, but to me, I will not give this disease an extra spot on my body. There are scars. There are scars all over the place. Thanks to breast cancer. It will not get another opportunity to, uh, to mark me no ribbons. <laughs> no, I'll wear pink, but that's it. I, I just, this is not who I am. Breast cancer is something I had the way I handled it was, um, pretty solid, but 
I will not go on. Uh, breast cancer will never be a part of top three lines in my bio. It's just something I had and I chose to, to beat the hell out of it. And now it's gone. And uh, yeah, yeah, we, we have choices, right? We all have choices. I like how you mentioned that it's okay if other people want to do that because everybody's yeah. experience was different and how you cope with what happened is different. And, you know, some people choose to use it in a different way than other people. And for you, it's more about empowerment. I want to empower people and show them like you can have a different mindset when it comes to this. Well, and here's the other thing is so many people at home, they don't have cancer. They've got, I don't know, they're running late. They're sitting in traffic and they're losing their mind because they're sitting at a freaking red light. And all I can think is get a grip. It's a red light. <laughs> like somebody else has the opportunity to go enough with choosing to be miserable. It just, I don't understand it. I cannot wrap my head around the people who gripe over the teeny little details in the world where, you know, if you got diagnosed today with something horrible, it doesn't matter what it is, or you got hit by a bus. All you would want was that comfortable moment back sitting at a red light, relaxing with your favorite song. You know, there's just perspective is almost everything. And if you start choosing a happy day, you get a happy day. Yeah. Well, when it comes to like running late or getting stuck at a red light, all I can think is like, maybe I just avoided some really bad thing that could have happened. Like I've had multiple times in my life where something happened and it delayed me and I missed an, a huge accident by minutes. And right. all you got to think is like, if I wasn't running late, that would have right. been me. I would have been part of that, you know? Right. And, and I can also go back and tell you quite honestly, and I talk about all the hardships and the weird, wacky, insane stuff, <laughs> nitty gritty in my book, but I did almost every day I ended up alone in my car, alone in my bathroom, just crying. It was very stressful. So I'm gating those hardships. They were real. It was, and, and once I got past the scary of dying, you know, and I did believe my doctors when they said, Hey, no, we're curing you. We're not even worried about that. Then I just had to deal with the day-to-day, you know, getting poked by needles hurt and stressed me out. And it was just a very stressful experience. So I'm not suggesting people don't be human, but and, and I actually chose to cry in my car, my bathroom alone. So I didn't inflict this misery on my family even more. And again, that was my choice. You may have a family that y'all sit around and cry and good for you. If that works great, <laughs> but it was, it was okay. Me finally getting the cry out and getting in my bathroom mirror and fixing up my face and coming out and choosing to smile. And that smile would naturally lead to laughter and naturally lead to other good things. And, you know, it was, it was brutal. The whole thing was brutal. I could not believe the things that were going on with my body. Um, but then I just had those moments where I could shake it off. And, you know, the blessing for me are these great kids. And, and that might be your boyfriend, your parent, your dog, whatever. My dog was also a total champ, um, <laughs> but I would go to race weekends and, uh, where was I? I think I was in Fargo announcing a race and I ended up spending the ba- the night on the bathroom floor. You know how, when you get that stomach bug and for some reason it feels good to sleep on the floor. So I'm in the bathroom floor, sick as a dog all night. And at 4am, my alarm goes off 
and I drag myself up and I put on my outfit and I go out to my stage. And the second I stood on my stage surrounded by thousands of people, all of the sickness washed away. And that's how it went for me as I would be, <laughs> I would be so uncomfortable and everything hurt and just all the things were wrong until I got to stand on those stages and be surrounded by these incredible people that were working hard and doing great things for themselves and their community and wonderful causes. And that allowed me to forget about myself and just be there for them. And so uh, I have this very unique role in the world. My job is unique, for example, but maybe you're a veterinarian or maybe you love numbers, you're a great accountant, or maybe you're a school teacher, whatever it is, instead of staying home, I mean, again, if you're told to stay home by your doctor, it's fine. Um, but if you can go be a part of life, I, it really benefited me. And some of the moments where I felt the absolute best throughout that year and a half were the, were the days I was working or when I was sitting in the stands watching my daughter cheer or my son run. It was, you know, pursuing your passions means so much on a, on a sick day, on a healthy day, whether you have cancer or not, keep the things you enjoy as a part of who you are. And all of your days will be a little better. Can you imagine being a healthy person, making sure every single day incorporated something that you were excited about? Wow, what a way to live. So um, it, it was really magical. And I, I think having a passion, pursuing that passion should be a, a, a commitment for everybody. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm glad you said like, hey, I still cried. I still felt these feelings. Yeah. I've, I've always said like, feel your feelings. Cause if you bottle them up, that is not healthy. But then once you felt them, once you've sat in it for a little bit, move on. Once you've gotten yeah. it out and you were able to like have that cry or whatever, allow yourself the opportunity to move on and not stay in that place forever because that also is unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, so you continue to do all these things that you enjoyed in, in the best way you could, right? You said like, I slowly was able to exercise in the pool and I was slowly able to walk to my mailbox. And I went to these, these races and announced them and did all these things. And I spent this time with my family it, at any point in time where you like, I'm really struggling here. I don't know if I can do this. Because I know a lot of people get those doubts. So I struggled daily. I struggled. My fingernails ripped off. Um, my not, not only did the hair on my head leave and the arms and legs, but my nostril hair was gone. And mm -hmm. so for, I mean, gosh, it still happens. My nose just ran like a sieve because apparently your nose, your nostril hairs are really important. Um, the stomach issues were seriously problematic. I, I would lose my voice easily and that's no good for professional speakers. So yeah, I mean, things, were, things spun out of control. My, when my fingernails started rotting out on my fingers and I could smell rotten fingernail and I couldn't get rid of it. Oh my gosh. It was, it was agonizing. Everything was, my vision went blurry. My eyes changed colors. There was so many things that happen again, that nobody told me about in advance, not even the PA or the doctor that, and those are the things I put in the book. So people would go, Oh my gosh, that's what's happening to me. All right. Now I get it. Um, yeah. I mean, it was all just struggle, struggle, struggle. And so I didn't do well because I wasn't struggling. 
uh, I did well just because I chose F it. I'm doing what I do anyways. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was interesting when my husband would drop me off at the airports on Friday mornings for me to leave. It was every single time I left, which was dozens of times he would stand there and he would say, how are you going to do this? He would just give me that blank stare and uh, that, uh, well, he would give the I'm concerned stare and I would give him the blank stare back and say, I don't know. I just will. And I did. I did. I figured it out. It was miraculous. I mean, it was me. It was the medical directors of the races. There was all sorts of people involved with keeping me afloat. My runners were bringing me snacks, drinks on occasion. Those snacks and drinks prevented me from passing out on my stage. So I'm not saying we didn't get into some, you know, kind of scary territory there. And uh, the, I, when I was in Buffalo, uh, and this is all very random, I, I covered in the book, but it, there was Buffalo was the time I should have after the marathon, I should have gone directly to the hospital. There was something really wrong with me. And I just was having a hard time figuring out what it was. And so I should have said, take me to the hospital, but I was somewhat of a clueless person, somewhat of a brat. And I just decided, no, I'm going to be fine. And then when I got home, I was instantly admitted to the hospital. My uh, red blood cells had dropped. My hemoglobin was way low, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, whatever. I didn't die. Right. And I, <laughs> I didn't have to be hospitalized in another town. Even if I had been hospitalized elsewhere, we would have figured it out. I would have survived, but, but I, you know, I look back and I'm pumping my fist because I had nasty, nasty chemo that was trying to take me out and I rose above it. And, and I'm not the only one who can, that's the, that's the thing. I never want to come across like I'm bragging. What I want other people to do is figure out where they can be a badass too, where they can triumph under, you know, unexpected circumstances, just figure it out. And if you love what you're doing, if you love the people around you, you will want to. Yeah. I really don't like the question. How do you do it? I get asked that in various aspects of my life. And I'm like, I just do You know, when you don't have a choice. Like, I mean, yes, there are choices you can make, like, are those the right choices? So when you don't have a choice, when you've committed to something or you have other people you need to, you know, pay attention to and take care of, you just do, like, you just push through, you just do what you can because that it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I speak to uh, the graduating seniors for the University of Florida for many of them each semester. And one of the things I ask is, you know, if you were super sick with something, would you pursue this thing you're doing? You know, and some of them will say, some of them will say, no, actually I've spoken to a bunch of professionals. I speak at conferences and so forth as well. And I would say, Hey, if you were super sick with cancer, would you show up to work? And there's some people that say no. And I say, okay, well, you need to find a different job because I know, for example, if I were I don't know if I were on an assembly line, I probably would have called into work sick every single day, but because I've created this incredible career that I live for, I actually lived for it. You know, I, it kept me alive too. So, you know, if you, if you answer the question that, no, I wouldn't do this if I were super sick and having a bad day, all right, we'll figure it out. It may not be something you can flip the switch and get into a new career tomorrow, but start working towards the dream career 
the one that you would do with a broken arm and a broken leg or with cancer or with any other, you know, nightmare situation. Right. There are so many, uh, you know, careers that limit you. And like you said, they're like, if you're a teacher, you, yes, there might be days that you have to call out because you can't get out of bed because you're so sick, but then there's other days that you're able to go into the classroom and they won't need a substitute. Or you can say, Hey, can, can I please come help co-teach because I really love what I do. So yeah, there's, there is going to be limitations, but from what you're saying, have a career that you can still go and enjoy when you don't have to, like, you're so sick, you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is if you choose the right career, you want to be there under, you feel, you feel um, punished by being away from work. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. we go back, it's interesting to see how people have responded to COVID. And again, everyone gets their choices. But when I was officially the most immune compromised person on planet earth, the most, I never missed a flight. I never missed an event filled with tens of thousands of people. I never missed an opportunity to hug sweaty, germy strangers. I know a hundred percent. My life is better with people. My life is better with smiles and hugs and germs. I was a cancer patient facing possible death and I chose life with people. And so again, maybe you're a a reclusive person and you just want to work alone. Okay. But we make our choices in this world. My life isn't worth living if I don't have access to all the people I love and the events and the athletics and the things that make me happy. You know, I was faced with that life or death decision and I chose it. I never missed work. I never missed any massive event, a concert, a football game, anything when I could go. And I wasn't afraid. So, so again, we make our choices. And uh, I, I think people should think clearly when choosing their profession, their family, their social engagements, whether they're staying home or going out. Because I certainly know a lot of people who have committed suicide in the past year or so because they stayed home too much. Yeah, but um, I also want to put out there is you chose as an immune compromised person. What I said. Yeah. But some other person who's immune compromised or has an immune compromised right. family member might choose to be more cautious because well, they well, don't want to chance. And, and, and that's, that's the message there is my life right. isn't worth hiding out mine, but I made those choices for me. You know, it was interesting. I, um, at towards the end of the really mean chemo, when I was really, really beaten down, my daughter had, she, I, we live in Gainesville, Florida, two hours away from Orlando. And she was cheerleading at a summer camp. And she said, mom, will you come? And so I'd flown, instead of flying home from Denver, I flew to Orlando. And that again was another horrific night. I was, I spent it on the floor. I, I talk about it in the book, but I woke up the next morning and I was determined to go support my daughter. And uh, I got to the event and I was sitting in the arena and I was feeling so bad but I was always also so happy to be there with her and her team and watching the other girls perform. And this is what I thought. I thought, okay, if there was two things, if I, if I were terminal and I did not have a good prognosis and I knew I was never going to have a better day than the way I felt that time, I would not continue treatment. Like I finally understood Mm -hmm. why people sit tap out and say no more. However, I also thought, Oh my God, for all those terminal patients where their families say, no, no, you stay home. 
don't come out. I was that sick. I wasn't terminal. I was the crazy sick, but I was better being there. And I thought I will never tell if it's my mom, my sister, my husband, if, if I have someone who's on death's door mm-hmm. and they want to go be part of the family, be part of the experience. Well, what the hell did they have to lose? If they're supposed to die in the next few weeks. Anyways, at least they could live. And I truly felt that I, I understood what it was like to be, oh my God, my husband was holding my arm to keep me up as I gingerly walked into this arena feeling like death. Um, but then I thought, thank goodness I'm here. And, and through many of my experiences with cancer, I thought of the other people who weren't mm-hmm. as fortunate as I was to have such a, a good outcome ahead of me. And uh, that was one where I thought, yeah, if, if I were definitely dying. I would definitely be out trying to get as much life as I can. So and that's another perspective to share with people who do have terminal family members, terminal mm-hmm. friends, you know, support them in their last few days, weeks, months on earth, allow them to have special experiences too, uh, because they mattered to me. They mattered. To yeah. Me. Yeah. And like you said, when it comes to that sort of your treatment, uh, terminal cancer, people should be able to choose, right. Their family shouldn't pressure them into, Oh, you got to try this thing, or you got to do this thing because terminal patients, if, if they just, if they're like, I understand what's going to happen, but I want to enjoy the last couple of days I have. I mean, all I can think is my aunt Janet, um, I forget what kind of cancer she had. It was not breast cancer. And I remember the last time we saw her and she wanted to see all her friends and family because she knew she was getting so bad. She wouldn't be able to be around a lot of people, not only for herself, but because it was terrifying. Like her, her skin was starting to be translucent. It was, she was just so medicated. So she wouldn't feel the pain um, of right. what was going on. And I remember that last time of seeing her and that was her choice to say, I will see all of you one last time. And after that, I only want to see the very closest like family members, because I know it's going to be terrifying for you. And it also won't be fun for me when I'm so drugged up, I can't handle it. But that was her choice. She got to make that right. choice. That's and right. That choice is so important. I a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, uh, you know, I think, I think live as much as you can. And, it, and if you're out there and you're, you're totally, it's being sick is foreign to you and being injured is foreign to you. Awesome. Go after it, make each day bigger, better, more exciting than all your days in the past, figure out what sounds fun to you. It could be rollerblading or crocheting or going to see that singer you've never seen, whatever it is. You know, if you don't have some sort of expiration date on you, fantastic. If you are not tethered by pain or illness, great. And, and what I, my most important message is prepare your body to do battle today because you never know when injury or illness strikes. And when it does, I promise you, the only thing you'd be wishing for is not money. It's not fame. It's not this or that. The only thing you'll wish for is your health. And so get stronger today, build your endurance today, get more flexible and mobile today, improve your balance so you don't fall down today. And you will be able to stave off lots of potential issues. And then if they come anyways, you will get through them so much more efficiently, easily and comfortably 
than you would if you were sickly and weak to begin with. So um, I have a website, it's fitness.com, filled with tons of free resources. That's F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S.com. And there's workout videos and there's recipes and there's the exact formula for weight loss and it's all free. And I just want you to create the best life that you can for yourself. It starts up here, it starts in your head. You gotta make these decisions. And then when you tell your body to go do certain things, be gentle, make progress gradually and push the envelope always, physically, professionally, personally, you know, life is short, go out and make yours better. So as we wrap up the podcast today, what would be your final thing you want to leave the inspired women audience with? I know you just were like, let this all out. And I'm like, but I got to ask this question because it's, it's always the way I wrap up the podcast. No, that's okay. I, I stand by what I said, do better, be better wherever you are right now, do better, be better. I don't, I don't know what age range you are, whether you're getting scans or not. You, there's no particular age for you to start squeezing your stuff. It's your hands. It's your stuff. You put your hands in your shirt, put your hands in your pants. You look at your skin, you make sure everything's kosher. And if not, you listen to your body's red flags and you report it to your doctor. Um, but yeah, yeah. Health is a gift. Health is something you can achieve. And I would love to help you achieve that. The book is on sale every, wherever books are sold. It's called my noisy cancer comeback. If you purchase it at fitness.com, I autograph every book. I have a little gift with purchase. It's a sticker that says I can do hard things. It goes great on the back of your phone as a reminder. And if you use discount code survivor, there's free shipping and uh, yeah, follow me on social media at fitness and don't just follow. Tell me, you found me on this podcast and you want to be friends and, and I'd much rather have friends than followers. Yeah. I will definitely link up all the things that were provided to me in the show notes. Also link up the book. Um, cause I didn't have the link to that, but Hey, that's what Google's for. Right. And I can look it up on your website now. <laughs> it's on fitness.com right on the cover. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast today. It was a blast, Megan. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.